Hi, podcast listener. This is Pressed, a series about the media and democracy. I'm your host, Mary Quintus. In our first episode, we met Dave and Bonnie, friends who live across the street from each other and who are on opposite sides of the aisle politically. In the current hysteria over Donald Trump, I don't understand why people aren't accepting the fact that things are getting better. I consider myself a serious member of the resistance to what's been going on. I'm just appalled. For the sake of their friendship, Bonnie and Dave have avoided talking about politics, but they want to change that. Why can't the two of us sit down and talk about what's going on in the world and and not have it be a personal front? Because that's part of the problem. The communication is gone throughout the country. I would like to be able to understand where other people are coming from and be able to say, well, where can we find some common ground? So Bonnie and Dave have decided to finally sit down and talk about politics. But first, with the goal of getting a better understanding of other perspectives, they spent a week reading, watching, and listening to news media from across the political spectrum. To figure out a balanced mix of news sources, we used a website called All Sides. All Sides rates the political leanings of news outlets. They use several methods to determine these ratings, including third-party data from academic studies and a blind survey technique where they ask readers to rate the bias of an article without knowing its source. So, using all sides' ratings as a guide, Bonnie and Dave spent the week consuming equal amounts of left, right, and center news media. Mary, this is Dave. I'm starting my first recording. And I asked them to document their experiences by recording daily voice memos with their phones. So let's take a listen to some of those recordings. I just got through spending about 45 minutes watching MSNBC and Fox. Fox News is a big part of Dave's usual media diet. He watches it every day. So let's hear what happened when Dave spent the morning watching both the right-leaning Fox and the left-leaning MSNBC. Let's start with MSNBC. MSNBC spent the entire 45 minutes talking about the comment that Rudy Giuliani made that the president uh, could have shot Comey and not been indicted. We did this experiment in the first week of June 2018. That week, President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told the Huffington Post that the president couldn't be indicted for any crimes while in office, including the hypothetical scenario of shooting, instead of merely firing, former FBI director and head of the Russia investigation, James Comey. So on MSNBC, they went on and on about the president's not above the law. You can't do this because in America, no one is above the law. That's Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe, the show Dave was watching. But the actual statement said that he could shoot Comey and not be indicted, but he would be impeached immediately and then they could do whatever they wanted to him. Dave is correct about this. The HuffPost article quotes Giuliani as saying, I don't know how you can indict while he's in office, no matter what it is. If he shot James Comey, he'd be impeached the next day. Impeach him, and then you can do whatever you want to do to him. So it's pretty clear that they have taken half of the statement. Giuliani told the Huffington Post that Trump could have shot James Comey and not be indicted. So let's stop right there. And completely bashed it. To the point that they were accusing him of, I don't know, I I couldn't even take it anymore. It's unlimited power. The president can kill anybody he wants. This is really, literally out of a tyrant's playbook. It went on for 45 minutes. That was all the news on MSNBC. After suffering through Morning Joe, Dave switched to more comfortable territory. 
over on Fox and Friends. They had Kellyanne Conway on reviewing uh, what the president's accomplishments were. Kellyanne Conway stopped by the president's favorite morning show on the 500th day of the Trump White House or as she called it. Our 500th day of American greatness. So much great has happened, mm-hmm. and that's why we're calling this the 500 days of greatness. Look at the great 500 days of American greatness, everything that's happened. We have fewer regulations, more optimism, an economy that's absolutely booming, and frankly, more respect on the world stage. The last president was given the Nobel Peace Prize. This president may actually earn it. So in addition to celebrating the 500 days of American greatness, Conway took a moment to address the ongoing investigation into possible collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government in the 2016 presidential election. I saw some polling last week, in fact, the president and I discussed it, that's increasingly showing larger numbers of Americans who do feel like this investigation is getting in the way of other things. The polls are saying that people are tired of this thing and that it should be ended. Uh, nothing has come out of it in a year and a half. It's it's getting it's getting to the point where people just can't believe it anymore, which is actually my opinion. It's kind of way over the top by now. So just to orient you to where we were in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation when Dave made his recording back in June, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort and his associate Rick Gates had been indicted on 12 counts, including conspiracy against the United States. Former Trump advisors George Papadopoulos and Michael Flynn had both pleaded guilty to making false statements to the FBI about their contact with Russian leaders. Mueller had indicted 13 Russian nationals and three Russian entities for interfering with the 2016 election. A Dutch lawyer connected to Manafort and Gates had pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. And Mueller had filed 32 additional charges against Manafort and Gates. And we don't know yet how this fits into the big picture of the investigation, but a man named Richard Pinedo had pleaded guilty to selling bank account numbers over the Internet, including to at least one entity outside of the U.S. So that's where we were back in June. Manafort would soon be convicted of five counts of tax fraud, two counts of bank fraud, and one count of failure to disclose a foreign bank account. There is no one in Washington, D.C. who actually believes he will show up with any evidence or proof of Russian collusion. Bonnie is quoting a segment she watched on One America News Network. I suggested she watch One America because, along with Fox, it's one of Dave's go-to news sources. I hadn't heard of One America before Dave mentioned it, so I did some research. According to an article in the Washington Post, One America's founder and CEO orders the producers to create pro-Trump content and to minimize coverage of things like police shootings and Russian interference. Interestingly, Dave was surprised to find out that One America is considered a conservative outlet and that all sides rates it as right-leaning. His impression was that their reporting is centered. And maybe that's because One America claims to present, quote, straight news, no opinion. But let's see if the report Bonnie watched on the Mueller investigation is opinion-free. President Trump sounds off on a report revealing the cost of Robert Mueller's Russia investigation. In a tweet this morning, the president said the investigation has already cost taxpayers nearly $17 million, and it's going up fast. One America's Neil McKay reports. One America's Neil McKay is standing in front of the Department of Justice saying, There is no one in Washington, D.C. who actually believes he will show up with any evidence or proof of Russian collusion. I mean, there obviously are people in Washington, D.C. who do think that, just as there are people who don't think that. So McKay pointed out, 
that the lawyers who work for Mueller include 17 Democrats or people whose wives have donated to Democrats, and that it's worth noting, he said, that... Certainly there are no lawyers working for Mueller who are associated with conservative causes or the Republican Party. He's implying that there's political bias in the investigative team to sort of prepare the ground to cast aspersions on whatever they find that might be unfavorable to Mr. Trump. Um, and then he suggests that the Democrats in the media are now... Referring to Russian meddling rather than Russian collusion. And that this is a clue. They realize that uh, Mueller isn't going to come up with anything. So Bonnie was as exasperated with One America News as Dave was with MSNBC. She was so exasperated that, heads up, She'll be using a piece of adult language in about 30 seconds. You know, I'm uh, I'm so fed up with this kind of innuendo, the war of innuendo and the trying to use, uh, you know, kind of badly decimated quotes sometimes as if indicating that the thing that they're proposing is the true thing when it's not. And that's by any media outlet that's doing that. I, I don't care who's doing it. It's bullshit. It's not okay. This is not true reportage and this is not actual journalism. Bonnie normally spends two to three hours a day consuming news media. She watches PBS NewsHour and the local evening news, listens to public radio, and reads the New York Times, Politico, Slate, The Guardian, the BBC, and The Economist. And she reads a couple of far-left websites, The Daily Cause and Wonkette, which she recognizes as far-left. But unlike Dave, who had no criticism for any of the right-leaning media during the week, Bonnie was not on board with all of the left-leaning outlets she came across during the experiment. I think HuffPost is a little lightweight on some of the facts and analysis for my taste and also pretends not to be clearly left-leaning when it is clearly left-leaning, and I don't have all that much respect for that. And while Dave thoroughly disliked all of the left-leaning media he endured for the experiment— Bonnie did appreciate some of the right-leaning media she came across. For example, a panel discussion on Fox News about Trump's decision to impose steel tariffs on the European Union, Canada, and Mexico. The commentators actually say there's considerable distress at this and that this economic nationalism, as they call it, is kind of bad for the European-U.S. alliances So I was surprised by this because I didn't actually realize that Fox would be critical, openly critical, of Trump. So that was a pleasant surprise for me. So far, we've heard Bonnie and Dave's reactions to media from the left and right. Now let's hear how they responded to a segment from a centered news source. The same segment, actually, from PBS NewsHour. We turn now to U.S. immigration policy and the agency tasked with enforcing this country's laws, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, or ICE. As you might remember from our previous episode, immigration is a subject that Bonnie and Dave both feel very strongly about. Bonnie is an immigrant rights activist, and Dave believes we need to crack down on illegal immigration. So Dave and Bonnie both came across the same segment on PBS NewsHour. They presented a session with one of Trump's uh, officials on why we're controlling the borders and why we're separating families. Judy Woodruff was interviewing. Acting ICE Director Thomas Homan has served under six U.S. presidents. His 30-plus years in immigration enforcement will come to an end when he retires at the end of next month. I want to start with a mission 
of ICE. And to ask whether, under President Trump, it's fair to say that it's no longer going after mainly those immigrants who've committed serious crimes, but going after immigrants who are here without documentation, regardless of age, whether they're parents, whether they hold down a job. She was saying, does it actually make the country safer to pick up people who have children here, you know, who've been here for a long time and have lived blameless lives and so forth? And he said... I enforce immigration law. There's no prerequisite that an illegal alien has to commit a criminal violation on top of entering the country illegally, which is a crime. And I think the focus in the previous administration was more appropriate, which was on undocumented people who might pose a danger in some way or who might be gang or criminal members. And to me, it's obvious that families who've lived quietly and peacefully in the country for 10, 12, 15, 20 years don't pose a danger to anybody there's no sense of the human subtleties of what goes on here or ability to distinguish people who might be a risk and people who clearly don't pose a risk. As you've probably already guessed, Dave had a different reaction to this interview, one that echoed the former ICE director's zero-tolerance stance. People can apply for citizenship. They can go through the normal channels instead of cutting across the border illegally, they could go through a normal, legal place and ask for asylum. You have a right to claim asylum in this country, but go to a port of entry, present yourself, you get the same protections, but you're not violating the law. All these things are possible, but everybody chooses to just come across the border figuring that when they get here, the U.S. is stuck with them. Well, I think they're trying to stop that. I think it would probably work in the long run People are going to get hurt, but people are getting hurt in their own countries. This is not directly under your jurisdiction, Director Homan, but it is part of how the Trump administration is choosing to enforce the law. It is now separating children from their parents by the hundreds, more than 700 since last October. We're told more than 100 children under the age of four. Trump would reverse the separation policy a few weeks later, in late June 2018. At the time of the PBS interview, when the policy was still in effect, it was so controversial that... Even conservatives, uh, Congressman Mark Meadows, is, have been saying families should be kept together. American Association of Pediatrics is saying it, it hurts these children, these vulnerable children, to take them away. The policy about separating children from criminals is the same across the country. Children get separated from parents every day in this country when their parents arrest for criminal violations. If you're accused of murder or of drug trafficking or anything like that and you have kids, those kids are pulled out of that home immediately and sent to social services. I don't think that saying that taking kids away from illegal aliens... I can't use the term illegal because I can't think of a human being as an illegal human who are, in fact, illegal and, in fact, breaking a law, U.S. law, are being treated any differently than any American citizen who committed a crime and was put in, in, in holding. Their children are taken away also. Despite the separation policy reversal, as of early September 2018, more than 400 immigrant children remain separated from their parents. It's an interesting topic. I think PBS did a pretty good job of presenting it. Dave and Bonnie both thought this interview was well done. But Bonnie seemed to appreciate Woodruff's questions while Dave appreciated Homan's answers, and their opinions on this subject obviously remained unchanged. 
And that applies to all of the social and political issues that were covered in the news during the week of the experiment. Bonnie and Dave held fast to their opinions. But has this exposure to media from across the political spectrum helped them to understand other perspectives, even if they don't agree with them? Will it help them to understand each other? We'll find out in our next episode when Bonnie and Dave finally talk politics. You asked David if he thought Trump was a racist, and he doesn't, but I do. I haven't seen him do anything that particularly degrades anybody. Ooh. I have. (laughs) But I I don't know what specific instance would particularly bother you. That's next time on Pressed. We're looking for input from listeners to help shape a future episode of the podcast. So go to the Pressed page at RIPR.org and let us know what questions you have about how journalists cover politics. Crest is produced by me, Mary Quintus, the Rhode Island Council for the Humanities, and Rhode Island Public Radio. Our editor is Elizabeth Harrison, and Despina Durand is our intern. This podcast is part of the Democracy and the Informed Citizen Initiative. Administered by the Federation of State Humanities Councils, the initiative seeks to deepen the public's knowledge and appreciation of the vital connections between democracy, the humanities, and journalism. Thanks to the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation for their generous support of this initiative and the Pulitzer Prizes for their partnership.